0: is presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. This is Popular Technology Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host. Well, welcome everyone to this edition of Popular Technology
1: Radio. I'm Mike Etchart. So glad you are joining us today to talk about tech. Tis the season to talk about tech, Of course, many of us are out buying tech for our loved ones for the holidays, and a lot of the stuff we saw back in January that was coming, but it, oftentimes it doesn't really come until this time of year. It's, it gets held back till the fourth quarter, so a lot of the stuff that's in stores now we got kind of glimpses at back in January, and now it's finally hit the shelves, and we'll see if they are successful products. So. If you're out there amongst the throngs buying technology products, well, good luck. And hopefully it's something that will last till next year. And then we head in January uh, out to CES, where we will start the cycle all over again. The Consumer Electronics Show happens uh, very early in January, and we're going to see a lot of products that maybe will never come out, but in fact may not come out until a year from now or a little less than that. So that is the product life cycle in the world of technology, in the world of consumer electronics. So we're about to get on that conveyor belt pretty soon as we head to Vegas. And of course, we'll be broadcasting from there with a bunch of shows and try to bring you all the information and news that we find pertinent and exciting and interesting. So that is what we do here. So we got a pretty cool show today. Uh, Later on in the show, we're going to talk to Roger Chang. He works for CNET, and he is going to talk to us about 5G. If you don't know what that is, that's the the next generation of technology bump in our mobile phones. And of course, maybe also internet for the house. But primarily, we're going to be talking about mobile phones. And you may remember, in fact, I think when I got my first iPhone, it was a 3G iPhone. Then a little after that, it went to 4G. So the technology for mobile devices tends to last about ten years, so we've we're about ten years in with four G, and now we're we've been actually been hearing about it for three years, but now it appears to be really be rolling out, uh, or at least the the discussions of rolling out are are coming to a more serious uh, tone. So we're going to probably start seeing stuff, maybe not this coming year, but certainly by 2020 we'll start to see phones and stuff. But the, but they're actually making a, a whole lot of traction with the technology. And it's it's got considerable ramp up for the carriers, those friendly folks that we pay uh, large amounts of money every month to. So they're going to be rolling out with 5G over the next, let's say, 24 months. So we're going to talk to Roger about that. We're also going to check in with Josh Hancock, automotive expert. We wanted to follow up a, a few couple of things we didn't get a chance to talk about last week with him on the heels of the L.A. Auto Show kind of about technology and automobiles and where that's going and what we should all be looking out for. And I just saw a very funny article. don't know if you saw it. Uh, you know, we've talked on the show kind of about tribes. What tribe are you in? And tribes are often in technology built around what operating system are you using on your phone? So if you know the world of mobile phones, you know that the two big players really in mobile phones are Samsung and Apple. And there's an interesting Kind of, you know, semi-friendly back and forth about whose technology is better. And certainly they're both fantastic phones. Oftentimes the Samsung uh, Galaxy series are actually a little bit more ahead of the curve than Apple. They tend not to be the groundbreaking company right out of the gate. They tend to wait back a little bit for technology in their phones. But there certainly is a back and forth competition between the two. And you may also know, this is sort of my opinion, this is my observation, but I think Samsung has a little inferiority complex because for whatever reason, this is not across the board, you know, hammered in fact, but for the most part, the celebrities and the famous athletes and musicians and actors, by and large, you see a lot more iPhones in their hands than you do Samsung devices. So I think Samsung has just a wee bit of inferiority complex, quite frankly. Um, and they're always trying to, like all phone companies, they're trying to kind of promote their brand and, and do all that stuff. But there's a funny thing in the news about this, la- uh, just a couple of weeks ago, our friends at Samsung, they sent a tweet out from their Nigeria operation talking about their screen. And wouldn't you know it, because this can happen in technology, sometimes the things you least expect to happen will happen. In the tweet there in the bottom right-hand corner said, sent from iPhone. Oh. So we've seen this happen before, of course. There was a famous incident with uh, Alicia Keys, I think it was. She was a brand ambassador for BlackBerry back in the BlackBerry days. But lo and behold, she sent a few things out. Same thing happened from her iPhone. And that was a little awkward. She said somebody hacked her phone. But uh, I don't think anybody believed her. But it's happened before. Unfortunately, this is the third time it's happened for Samsung. And in fact, this Nigerian outpost, I think they sent over the last year or so, like a couple hundred tweets from an iPhone. So the road of technology can be embarrassing at times. On that note, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Roger Chang from CNET about 5G And later on in the show, our good friend Josh Hancock will be joining us. So stick with us. We're coming right back on Pop Tech Radio.
2: On the track, even one hundredth of a second decides who wins and who loses. That's why Bridgestone uses advanced racing technology to create their fastest street legal replacement tire yet. The new Bridgestone Potenza RE71R engineered with an innovative hydro evacuation surface and unique tread compounds, the new Potenza RE-71R is designed to give you maximum grip and ultimate cornering on or off the track. Bridgestone is changing the game in tire performance.
0: This is Popular Technology Radio. This show is presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. Now, here's your host.
1: Hey, it is Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchard, hanging out today, and we are going to be talking about 5G. That is the next generation. Or I guess we're getting a speed bump, as it were, in our cellular telephones, and it's it's been talked about for a long time, but now it appears to be getting a little traction and finally taken off. We are happy to have Roger Chang with us today. He is an executive editor at CNET. Roger, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate having you on. Thanks for having me. Before we talk about what's coming... Let's talk about where we are right now, and is it, you know, we, we have basically two main technologies for cellular phones, depending on who your carrier is, right? You have CDMA if you're a Verizon and Sprint customer, I guess, and it's it's uh, GSM if you're an AT&T and T-Mobile customer. Are we 4G on both? Is, even though they're different technologies, do we still use the same terminology?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of confusion about that. Right now, I mean, the main standard across all four of those big carriers is 4G, LTE. Uh, Now, there is sort of the the fallback, right? If you're not always on LTE, and and I'm sure you've experienced this whenever you drop off LTE, you go down to a slower network, Uh that's when you get those differences, right? That's when Sprint Verizon go back to CDMA, AT&T, and T-Mobile go back to GSM. And because of those legacy issues, oftentimes when you buy an unlocked phone or just a phone off the third market, uh, uh, open market, and you want to... Take a SIM card in. Usually, it's the AT&T and T-Mobile carriers that work best with those phones because CDMA is not as widely adopted around the world. Most phones work with those the, that GSM network. But but generally, uh, nowadays LTE, especially in big cities, it's available enough that uh, it, it works across you know multiple carriers. Like if you have an iPhone, you can pretty much use whatever SIM card you want or whatever carrier you want, and it will pick up on those LTE networks.
1: And so is LTE a flavor of 4G, or is it kind of an interim technology between 4G and what will be coming with 5G?
3: LTE is basically it's 4G. It is uh, there was a lot of confusion I think early on when when 4G was coming about. There were a couple of different competing technologies. AT and T and T-Mobile just decided at one point to start calling their 3G network 4G, which added to the confusion. So, uh, <laughs> but no, 4G LTE is sort of like the the standard. Four G technology that's recognized around the world.
1: Well, and I was going to actually bring that up. You know, I think you know one of the problems with anything relating to cellular technology and cellular carriers brings on a fair amount of animosity. At least, I you know, I certainly <laughs> I, I hate my carrier. I'll be honest. I'm, it's not that the people that work there aren't lovely; they very much are. But as a company, I think there's a fair amount of loathing in this country of the carriers and. Are we, technology-wise, kind of the same place they are in other countries around the world? Or are we ahead of the curve? Or are we behind the curve? And don't we spend far more money than for service than other folks do around the world?
3: It definitely varies depending on who you're looking at. I know uh, certain countries, like in Korea and in, in, in Asia, Hong Kong, network speeds are generally faster. We're kind of in the middle right now. In between, I would say, like some of the European carriers are a little bit slower, some of the Asian carriers are a little bit faster. Uh, we got out to 4G LTE a lot faster than everyone else. The, the U.S. kind of led the way there. But in terms of maintaining and upgrading those networks, I think we've been slower to do it, largely because it's a big country. It's expensive mm-hmm. to upgrade networks that large. It's easy to, when, when you're, uh, say, South Korea, you're basically just, upgrading the network with one, in one big city in Seoul, right? And so it, it's a lot easier to manage that network than it is all of America across 50 states. And you, what, you're right. People love the basket carriers. But do we
1: pay more than everybody else?
3: Again, it sort of depends on what where where you're looking at geographically. I think we're definitely on the higher end of things.
1: hmm <laughs> I thought that was the case. Aye, aye, aye. But here we are. Well, and, and how long have we had 4G, Roger? It seems like it's been a while.
3: It's been about ten years, and that's generally the lifespan of one of these G's, one of these generations. is about a decade. 2008 was when Verizon first launched their 4G network, uh, and I remember early on that you know when that network turned on, and we got some of those first 4G phones. Yeah, you know, the experience wasn't great. Like you'd bump off a 4G fairly quickly. The phones overheated, or they they didn't last very long. Because the battery power was pretty weak.
1: I remember. They, that. New
3: antennas. They, these antennas drain a lot of battery. Uh, And you can imagine some of the same kind of growing pains once 5G comes around. Once those first 5G phones come out, they might be a little bit bulky, the battery life may not be great. Uh, Those are definitely some of those concerns you have to think about when you jump into a new technology right away.
1: All right. Well, it's coming, whether we want it or not, and we're probably going to have to pay for it. We're talking with Roger Chang. He's the executive editor at CNET, talking about the upcoming 5G technology to our mobile devices. We've got more with Roger and me when we come back. It's Pop Tech Radio.
2: My dad is a proud doer, always building, repairing, or maintaining something. He relies on Craftsman tools, and I do the same. Today, Craftsman mechanics tools, metal storage, and lighting are available from your favorite retailers. But that's only the beginning. A full line of retooled and refined products are on the way. Find your favorite store at Craftsman.com and stay tuned for more big news from this trusted American brand.
0: This is Popular Technology Radio. This show is presented in part by... Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. Now, here's your host.
1: Welcome back, everyone. It is Pop Tech Radio. Mike Edchart with Roger Chang from uh, CNET. We're talking about 5G technology finally starting to become on the horizon, at least. There was a big confab uh, a Snapdragon Tech Summit in Maui back in the first week of December. Roger, don't tell me you had to go all the way to Maui to attend that Snapdragon Tech Summit?
3: I did not have the pleasure of Uh-oh. going tonight. So I, I got to watch it on uh, web stream here in New York where it's nearly freezing. So, <laughs> that's not as fun. Yeah, that that's is, not nearly as fun.
1: That's not as fun. All right. I was hoping you were going to say, yes, I did, and then I was going to praise you for... For being uh, for for all that hard work, but you didn't get to go. So anyway, so five G it is coming. So this is going to require new phones because the antennas, I assume, need to be different and and new chips. So is Snapdragon the first one out of the gate with the five G chips?
3: Yeah, as you correctly surmised, this is going to require all new equipment. None of your existing phones will work on five G. So don't think about that. You'll you'll have to think about an upgrade. Uh, the Snapdragon is a processor. Think of it as sort of the brains of a phone. Uh, actually, so, and, and usually a Snapdragon chip will include a, a modem, uh, and in this case an LTE modem, uh, with 5G because it's so new, they have to bundle together the Snapdragon processor with a separate 5G modem. Because not every company is going to want to have 5G right off the bat, they're going to want the option of just having the faster processor, mm-hmm. uh, and then just keep it an LTE phone, because most folks are probably going to end up buying 4G LTE phones next year anyways. So I think for some of the, the kind of super premium phones, or kind of the one-off 5G experimental phones, they're going to need a, a separate modem. And so Qualcomm one of those companies, it's a, a pioneer in wireless technology, and they've been pushing 5G really, really hard. They spent most of their time out in Maui talking about the benefits of 5G.
1: And let's talk about the benefit. It's certainly a speed thing, but what else is – what are the big pluses that we as consumers would kind of recognize right out of the gate?
3: Yeah, the speed is obviously the biggest benefit, but there's, there's something called latency, and that's sort of the responsiveness of the network. It's sort of the lag time between you know, when you run a search for you know, diapers and when the response comes back to you, uh, or when the network even recognizes that you've hit the button on the phone. That's really important for things like gaming, like when you're on Fortnite – Mm-hmm. Um, being able to, to fire your gun and actually have the like, on fire in real time. That doesn't happen with 4G right now. There's there's like a, a couple of millisecond delay, uh, and this does seem like a lot, but for critical things like remote surgery or for car-to-car communication, having that kind of instantaneous connection with no lag is really important. I think that's definitely one of the features that isn't talked about as much in 5G, but I think is critically important. So there's some
1: stuff beyond, you know, you mentioned... Mobile surgery and and maybe self driving cars and or the technology in cars so so a lot of the benefits it sounds like I mean it, it's beyond just your mobile phone
3: absolutely this is I mean this is probably going to be a much better experience for you on the phone but it's, it frankly you don't need that much speed uh, you know you're streaming video you're you're browsing the internet you don't need the huge speed bump five G can enable. Yeah, we're talking about much more heavier applications that are going to require this. It may be stuff on your phone. It might be things you experience on your phone like streaming VR experience or augmented reality uh, that will require that kind of responsive 5G of of technology. But there are definitely a lot more uh, applications out there that's not on the phone, whether it's uh, sensing equipment. One of the examples that I found fascinating was the, the idea that it could connect farm sensor equipment That stuff doesn't really need to have a a fast connection. You know, it may ping the network every once in a while, but but 5G can actually run so efficiently that some of these sensors can run for about 10 years on a single battery without any charge. Um, So it's it's the idea that it's not just responsiveness; it's not just about speed. But 5G can handle uh, a huge amount of different devices with different speeds. Right now, everything sort of gets the same the same pipe right the same kind of speed and you know if there's a lot of devices on there it's all going to get bogged down and slowed down 5g is smart enough to be able to kind of parcel out connections so it'll know that um that self-driving car needs to have constant communication you know your phone call needs to have a real-time response but that farming equipment or that atm machine may need a slower connection because it's not necessary
1: we are speaking with Roger Chang from CNET about 5G technology as it's coming down the pike. So it sounds like when you roll out a new system like this. There's a lot of stuff that has to happen kind of in concert, right? So that so our carriers have to upgrade their network. The phone has to be upgraded with the chip inside. So uh, a lot of things kind of have to happen. Do all the four carriers, typically, when stuff like this kind of rolls out, do they all kind of jump on roughly at the same time or they're kind of laggards, but you know, in in terms of the the big four here in the states?
3: Yeah, with four g, I mean I think Verizon notably was the first, and then, uh, the others kind of followed. I think T-Mobile and Sprint were a lot later to the game. This time around with 5G, everyone seems to kind of want to jump in around the same time. I think AT&T will probably be out of the gate first. They're committing to, I think, 12 markets this year. Again, the coverage may not be that widespread. It could be, when they say 12 markets, it could be a couple of neighborhoods in each city, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. it could be pretty small. Most of the other ones are looking to turn on their networks early next year. Uh, and, and you can see a, a decent amount of, you know, like a dozen to two dozen cities getting 5G next year, which is actually fairly fast considering, again, there was a longer ramp up of 4G deployment uh, 10 years ago.
1: I remember that. We are speaking with Roger Cheng. He is the executive editor of uh, CNET talking about 5G technology. We've got to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about it, what to expect, and when it's going to happen. It's Pop Tech Radio.
0: It's your turn to join the conversation. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Pop Tech Radio. We'll be right back. Hurry into the Dodge Big Finish event. That's the new holiday greeting in Santa's workshop, and now he's even upgrading his ride. Like Charger, America's only four-door muscle car, Challenger, the most affordable V8 in its class, and Durango, the most technologically advanced, fuel-efficient, and powerful V8 in its class, Santa wants his sleigh to really fly. Ho, ho, go! (laughs) Hurry in for great deals at the Dodge Big Finish event. Based on 2019 Ward's Miss High Sport Utility Vehicle Segment, available V8 based on Ward's Middle Specialty Segment. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. To Pop Tech Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host.
1: And we are back. We are talking with Roger Chang. He is the executive editor of CNET. You can read his article online at CNET. 5G is finally starting to feel real. We're talking with him about 5G as it rolls out. So, Roger, it sounds like. People will be dipping their toe in 2019, but nothing serious. Is 2020 probably the likelihood when we're going to kind of start seeing a more substantial rollout?
3: Yeah, in terms of the mass market deployment, 2020 is definitely the year where it starts to go mainstream. It might not be there all the way, but, you know, T-Mobile has committed to building a nationwide 5G network by 2020, which is a pretty Mm. aggressive estimate. Yeah. Um, So you can see pretty comprehensive coverage, and even next year you'll start to see in some of the bigger cities like L.A., New York, SF, you'll see deployments of, of 5G there. So it, it. I remember with 4G, there were some big cities that were missing kind of early on. Uh, and you're not seeing that with 5G. It seems like they're prioritizing sort of some of the bigger markets, some of the more heavily populated markets with the service.
1: And I'm going to guess it's going to be a substantial Cost for the four main guys to upgrade, and (laughs) we'll—I mentioned earlier in a segment how much I love my AT and T, my carrier. (laughs) Uh, Is this going to be reflected in my bill? Is what I really want to know. I I assume they're—they're going to have to pay for it somehow.
3: It's a fantastic question. It's important to note that with four G, there wasn't really a huge bump in the the price you pay, uh, at least initially. One of the key benefits for them when they open up a new network like this is the capacity constraints on the older network ease up a bit so they don't necessarily have to spend money maintaining and upgrading the 4G network because folks are kind of moving over to 5G and it kind of eases the burden there uh, And we saw that a bit with 4G Sprint's former CEO Marcelo Clare he did hint that this would be more of a premium service other so than the new CEO has declined to say whether or not there be some price increase and no one has really talked about it But I would be skeptical that in terms of your your wireless bill, that goes up. Now, the devices themselves, I think especially next year, they're going to be premium devices. I think you'll be spending a lot more on those 5G devices than you will your 4G ones. So, you know, that $1,000 iPhone, I mean, maybe get ready to pay $1,100, $1,200. Although, there won't be a 5G iPhone next year anyway.
1: Well, that's right. I was going to ask, who's... Who's stepping up uh, in terms of the devices? Who's kind of going to be first to the party?
3: Uh, Samsung seems to be the name that pops up a lot. There'll be a number of players. I think Samsung will, their next big flagship phone, the Galaxy S10, at least one version of that phone is widely expected to have 5G. They might have another 5G phone out even ahead of that just to say that they can be the first. Um, there is a, a smaller startup called OnePlus. Uh, they start, They just started selling phones with T-Mobile, actually, uh, earlier this year. They've committed to having a 5G phone. Sprint and LG have has said that they want to be the first out in the U.S. with 5G smartphones. So there are a number of companies out there that are, are kind of jumping on this bandwagon. Apple's not one of them, and Apple's traditionally waited a year or sometimes mm-hmm. a year or two before some of the stuff gets hashed out, the networking technology gets ironed out before they embrace it themselves.
1: Now, are there any downsides to the technology? Because I've read, in fact, your article I think, mentions that it works better with shorter distances. Do I understand that correctly? And that maybe there need to be a little tweaking and we're not going to maybe see the, the the absolute maximum that we would see because of some of the kind of shortcomings of the technology.
3: Yes. Yeah, so their 5G – works by using a different band of, of airwaves or spectrum uh 5g particularly like to rely on super high frequency spectrum often referred to as millimeter waves, mm-hmm. um and that basically offers you a, a gigantic pipe onto your phone and just it's full capacity it's full speed but it's high frequency spectrum is also very short range spectrum so that requires a lot of additional cell towers. Now, in bigger cities where you've got a lot of these cell towers up already in a lot of the buildings, that's less of an issue. But when you go to the suburbs and you go to like a small town, uh, that would require Mm -hmm. you to hang radios, you know, every, I don't know, 1,000 feet or so. Don't take me for the record. That's, That's sort of an estimate. But the point is that there'd be a lot more Uh, these radios out there and you know we've already written stories about how some towns have kind of rejected this because they don't want to mess with the appearance of their town by by stringing up all these radios um so for for a lot of these areas outside of the major um downtown areas metro areas that's still going to be an issue
1: Gotcha. Well, you know, and we're also we're really kind of focusing on sort of mobile phones, but will this technology exist maybe for internet connections to my home? Is this applicable for a situation like that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. The, right now Verizon sort of has its own five G service launched, a home five G service. People kinda of quibble that it's not really five G because they kinda of use their own technology and not sort of the industry standard. But the point being that it's an example of how Verizon is using uh, 5G-like technology as a as a home broadband service. Basically, uh, shooting, beaming down signals to your home uh, and having that signal hit a router and then turning that into Wi-Fi for your TV, your phone, and everything in your home. Uh, and absolutely, Verizon um, says that it plans on expanding pretty rapidly the availability of the service, especially once it actually goes to true 5G. T-Mobile has already talked about this, uh, particularly in rural areas where you can't get a landline connection. Yeah. Uh, so this would be a, a potential viable alternative is just having a wireless uh, signal shot to your home and giving you, you know, probably same, if not faster speeds than what cable or DSL can give you now. Well, and if,
1: if I'm the cable and DSL guys, I, I'm a little bit worried about this new technology coming along because suddenly there's more players, more choices for consumers. Which, and if I mentioned I didn't really like at and my cellular carrier, I haven't even started to tell you how much I dislike. Uh, Spectrum, my, my my cable provider. So, you know, I'm going to guess those guys might be a little worried.
3: Yes, although you have to keep in mind it's because of the way the cable markets are broken up. It's kind of unclear. Right now, it's, it's so early on, I don't think they really perceive it as a threat. It might be mm-hmm. down the line. But I think a lot of the places where the carriers are looking to deploy 5G broadband services, some of those cable companies might not even be there.
1: Right, exactly, yeah, absolutely
3: <laughs> Roger, can we check in again in the future with you As we get a little closer
1: to launching And maybe my Apple friends might finally announce a, a 5G phone?
3: Absolutely, there's plenty of 5G news ahead So I'm always happy to talk about it Thank you so much for
1: joining we really appreciate it Again, that's Roger Cheng, he's the executive editor of CNET You can read his article, 5G is finally starting to feel real I think it just hit the internet yesterday, if not earlier today And on that, we got to take a quick commercial break You're listening to Pop Tech Radio.
0: Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. This show is presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. Now, here's your host.
1: Welcome back, everyone. It is Pop Tech Radio, and we had a wonderful segment, actually a wonderful show last week with my good friend Josh Hancock, automotive expert, and of course, art director for many a movie that involves automotives, and we were talking about the LA Auto Show. And we had to kind of follow up on that conversation because we ran out of time. And, Josh, you were out in the wilds of Los Angeles right now as we speak. What, what are you driving, by the way, right now?
4: Uh, yes, and I'll apologize for the road noise, even though I'm pulled over. Uh, I'm driving, as I was before, a Volvo F90 sedan. And for the techies, it's a T6 all-wheel drive, which means it is a bigger motor. I'm sorry, supercharged and turbocharged. It's a lovely automobile. You know, it's a big luxury car, really, which is a surprise for Volvo. The interior is exquisite. It has a Bowers and Wilkins sound system that is phenomenal. I like that. I like that. They uh, they have concert hall Mm effects. Okay. And the concert hall is really quite dramatic. People get in their car and it's like, wow, what is that? Um, not often that you can have an effect so much to make people really really stand up and notice. They also love the interior in this car. But this car is one of the big leaders in level two autonomy in that it will stay in its lane. They have uh, Volvo Autopilot and adaptive cruise control so the car will keep its distance from the car ahead of it Mm -hmm. with automatic braking and when you're on a nicely lined street it will steer the car for you and keep it in the lane
1: wow and that is what so and what does that refer to that level of automation
4: level one is like basically adaptive cruise control level two means it's going to keep you in the lane of the car. If we go to level five, that's full autonomy where the car is driving for you and you're doing nothing. You don't even have a steering wheel. (laughs)
1: Right. And by the way, you you may have noticed uh, there was a thing uh, just a couple of weeks ago back here in Los Angeles. I think it was in Los Angeles. It was in California someplace. The CHP was trying to pull over somebody, California Highway Patrol, and they were in a, a Tesla and got no response pulled off to the side, saw there was a guy passed out in the front in the driver's seat. So they did a little maneuver and got in front of him and then slowed down the car, and the car was wise enough to slow down as well, To and I guess there was a safe place to stop. And he, he was intoxicated and got arrested for driving under the influence, but wow. And that's, that's on a car that was not meant to do that, right?
4: Correct. You're supposed to have, like, in the Volvo, if I don't touch the wheel for a while, a light will come on and say... You know, we want to make sure you're still there. Right. I don't think the Tesla quite does that, but, you know, you've got to, it's a Volvo, so you trust it. I have to say this car has surprised me in, on the highway, just how good it is staying in the lane and the rest of it. And I, I do love adaptive cruise control, so again, adaptive cruise control keeps you a certain length. And this has stop-and-go adaptive, which means it'll stop in traffic and take off again. Wow. Is it disconcerting when you first start driving cars like that? I believe it is. Now it's second nature to me, but I have a lot of people that talk to me about it, and they go, I just can't do it, I can't do it. I'm like, yeah, you can. You know, you need to trust the cars. We're going to cut down on rear-end accidents. They assume about 85%. That's when." cars are mandated with this and as usual in our system of government there is a strong lobbying effort to not get that passed as a requirement on cars
1: wow and and what is the what is the thinking on that just it's too too wild too well, unpredictable
4: the, the thinking on that is that that effort is partially <laughs> supported by body shops paint manufacturers of course sure so it's sort of like the tobacco industry.
1: Right. Right, now, right, right. right.
4: It's your choice. Go ahead and smoke.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, it's coming, no matter what the, the, the roadblocks are put up, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, but it's currently in, I assume, it's really only in the in the high end of, of vehicles. When will we kind of see it in the more, let's say, mid-priced
4: categories? Well, it, it has trickled down. Look, everyone knows that tesla was a leader here cadillac's a leader this volvo has been on their different models for a while now i think as the price comes down of all of this it's actually we're only talking we're talking about cars already having it in the next few years a lot of them across their lines like ford announced at the auto show that they have this safety package. I don't have it in front of me right now, but every one of their automobiles by 2020 will have this emergency braking. Wow. By 2020. So that's pretty I ambitious. Think I think I'm pretty sure that that Volvo has it across their line right now. So you're right. It is here because this stuff is what sells cars. That's
1: right. Know? Yeah. And that's the bottom. I mean, people It's the tech. I mean, you can talk all about, you know, speed off the line and top, you know, but it's the tech is what is sexy right now and has been for a long time.
4: Well, also, I think, you know, I want to make the statement that people also are looking for cars to buy. I always say, look, with technology changing so much, if all the boxes check off for you, lease something because in three years you're going to want the new tech.
1: That's right. The new
4: tech, exactly. I mean, uh, when you step into your car, you might as well be somebody who churns their own butter. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> that was
1: a slight, Josh. All right. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just shed a little tear for a second. We take a quick commercial break. We've got more with uh, Josh Hancock in our last segment. When we come back. I also want to talk to him about the Netflix series Dirty Money. I want to talk about Dieselgate. Oh yeah. More when we come back. It's Pop Tech Radio.
0: Can't get enough? Listen to more episodes and check out our blog on poptechradio.com. We'll be right back.
2: There are many words you could use to describe the new Kia Stinger GT. Stunning. Stylish. Sporty. The word breathtaking, however, isn't just an adjective. It's a warning. Because while the ability to go zero to 60 in 4.7 seconds might take your breath away... Going 60 to zero with powerful Brembo brakes will help you catch it again. The 2018 Kia Stinger GT, fueled by youth. Stinger GT rear-wheel drive using launch control with factory-equipped 19-inch wheels. Results may vary. Do not attempt. Always drive safely.
1: Welcome back. It is Pop Tech Radio. Mike Edshart with my good friend, automotive expert, Josh Hancock from the wilds of Los Angeles talking on his cell phone in his borrowed Volvo, which uh, which sounds like I really need to get that car. Uh, but Josh, I wanted to bring up, you know, you were just, of course we, we talked about it on, on the shows last week about the LA Auto Show kind of winding down here and it's over now. Um, I happened to catch that wonderful uh, Netflix documentary. It's, it's under the Dirty Money kind of series, but they did a whole thing on the VW, on Volkswagen's whole dieselgate situation. I wanted to ask you you know, how is Volkswagen doing after the fact? It's, it's a pretty damning documentary. I assume you've seen it. Um, you know, are they recovering? Are, are, are people kind of forgetting about that? Is, is diesel as a technology kind of really taking a black eye on this, as it should, based on that documentary? Where are we with diesel and Volkswagen heading now as we, as, as we head into a new year?
4: Well, I haven't seen the documentary, but I'm well aware of what's gone on. I think Volkswagen has done a great job in recovering, and amazingly, people have short memories. I think it was more damaging to diesel in general, particularly in the United States. Mm -hmm. It was damaging also in that other manufacturers like Porsche, because of, and, you know, it's one big family now, by the way, because Volkswagen owns Porsche and Audi. Yep, But they decided... So I should take a, a different manufacturer. Okay, let's just look at, um, you know, Infinity or any of these other manufacturers that were considering diesels because of the Volkswagen debacle. They canceled their plans. So mm. it's had an effect in that respect. We were, you know, the United States had a bad diesel situation when General Motors tried to make bad diesels. They needed to come out into the market quickly. They didn't use the right blocks. That was way back in the oil crisis, and it hurt diesels in this country tremendously. So we were recovering, and we were actually having more diesels, and now, because of Volkswagen, it has killed that. Now, that doesn't mean pickup trucks. Pickup trucks, actually, diesels are expanding a bit. Like, you can buy an F-150, which is a half-ton pickup truck. With a diesel. You can buy a Dodge Ram half-ton pickup truck with a diesel, which never was. You could always get the heavy... Three-quarter tons, trucker. yeah. So it's, it's damaged diesel, but Volkswagen has come back.
1: Already. you probably, over the holidays, have some time to check out the show. It is pretty, and it's sort of, not only is it damning for Volkswagen, but it's also sort of damning for diesels in general. You know, they kind of, are, you're left with the impression, if you see the documentary, that... Just the way everything is kind of calculated in terms of the emissions, that maybe all diesels aren't nearly as clean as they make themselves out to be. And I assume, do we have the most strict emissions uh, rules here in the U.S., or is it stricter elsewhere in the world someplace?
4: No, I think California is pretty much
1: the strictest in the world. Right, Um, so everything conforms to our rules and regulations here.
0: Yeah,
4: I, I think you're right. I think overall, people just now have a negative attitude towards diesel in general. So a lot of manufacturers said, we're not going to go as a diesel option. We're going to go hybrid to get the mileage that we need to. You know, I look, it's too bad because the diesel is a very efficient motor. And let's not forget that it was designed to run off peanut oil. That's right. Yeah that never even needed fuel. The only reason they started adapting it to fuel is because fuel was so cheap. Right. Past tense. Remember, we had, you know, like 10 years ago, the craze was to make greasel diesels, you know, Mm -hmm. to adapt your diesel so it could run on fat oils from... Cooking oil. Yeah, of course. There There was all kinds of uh, kits to adapt your diesel, and people were doing it, and that's just... That's just not happening now. Everybody's converting cars to electric. Yeah. And even Aston Martin has started a program where they'll take your older Aston Martin and electrify it. And, um, you know, we have several manufacturers. You pick out the design of an automobile that you really like, and they will fill it full of batteries and take out the motor.
1: And that is where we're going. 2019 is going to be exciting. 2020 is going to be exciting with all of these new changes and all of these. And here in California, of course, we're at the forefront of forcing that issue. So, Josh Hancock, can I say a thousand thank yous for coming on a second time and taking time out of your day to join us?
4: Always a pleasure.
1: You got it. All right. Well, then I will have to wrap it up. Josh Hancock can be seen at joshcar.com to get more information about him. We always appreciate him coming on. And thank you for joining us. In case you don't know, we are podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. In my case, I happen to go to iTunes, but we're everywhere that has podcasts. You can always go back and revisit older shows in case you missed something. So thanks again for joining us this week. We're going to be back here next week. So we appreciate you listening for Pop Tech Radio. I'm Mike at Sharp. We'll see you next time.
0: show is presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most.
2: Where does the love for a car come from? If the car is a Subaru legacy, the answer would be the symmetrical all-wheel drive. Power goes to all four wheels all the time for optimum grip. The Subaru Boxer engine's lower center of gravity makes the Subaru Legacy more responsive around corners and gets better fuel economy than front-wheel drive competitors. What you have then is a mid midsize sedan with grip, handling, and enviable fuel economy. It's no wonder it turns people into people who love cars. Love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru.